0: It's entertainment, it's not church. You're not. It's not high tea with the Queen of England. It's, uh, it's supposed to be fun.
1: Though the country has moved on to bigger upsets in recent days, Chicago is still remembering the Cubs win, so we sat down with Professor Bill Savage, baseball historian and author of the ESPN column The View from Section 416. Professor Savage is a lifelong Cubs fan.
0: Bill Murray used to make a joke that he, he wasn't a Cubs fan from birth but from the womb. So I grew up a Cubs fan, so that's 54 years. Uh, I was 7 or 8 years old and it was a school trip, went down on a yellow school bus, sat down the third base line up underneath the, the overhang and I didn't quite understand what was going on. Someone got a hit in the top of the first and I cheered and I was informed in no uncertain terms that the St. Louis Cardinals were the bad guys and I was cheering for the wrong team and I would not do that again and I have not done that since.
1: So he asked what it was like for him to watch the Cubs win the World Series.
0: It's weirdly schizophrenic, because I'm a scholar of baseball history and literature. I sort of have to have a cold point of view on things. It's changed my baseball class. I can no longer make a routine joke about, you know, the Cubs always will lose. And looking at it from an historical perspective, obviously it's a big deal. So there's that sort of distance and cold point of view. On a personal level, though, I was completely unable to sleep or eat or think. For the whole of the world series and it came down to that you know extra innings in the seventh game i still haven't processed it because the the stakes were so high montgomery was throwing what baseball scholars call a golden pitch that's a there's only it's only happened seven other times in baseball history where when that pitch is thrown depending on its outcome one team or the other could win the world series so if you've got two outs you're up a run there's a man on base if the guy at the plate hits a home run the indians win and if you get him out the cubs win so, that's only happened seven times before in history. So, the, my sense, in the sense of, uh, that all Cubs fans had of the stakes being really high, is historically accurate, right? This, any of those pitches could have gone the other way. So, I'm still kind of in a daze about it. I'm just, I'm still sort of, pro- I still have dreams where they lose.
1: These days, it seems like the whole country are Cubs fans. But Savage says it hasn't always been like that.
0: For three years, I went to a lot of ball games where there were empty seats, and I could put my feet up in my bag on the seat next to me, and you know, get to know your beer vendor personally because he's just sitting next to you because he has nothing to do. And that can be painful. The tickets are not cheap, but it paid off. But
1: the Cubs aren't the only game in town.
0: The one team everybody roots for is the Bears. Then, if you are the hockey and basketball are kind of niche sports. Obviously, not a lot of uh, Chicago fans are going to root for any team but the Blackhawks or the or the Bulls. Cubs versus White Sox is a split, and I'd say the the, the city as a whole is probably sixty percent Cubs, forty percent White Sox. North side would be you know seventy thirty Cubs White Sox. South side is seventy thirty White Sox Cubs. But it's one of those things where it's you know some people take it too seriously on both sides. It really comes down to basically who your parents rooted for. Like you get brought up to be one or the other. Um, it's also been interesting watching the reaction of Sox fans, and there's like three kinds of Sox fans. There's reasonable human beings who don't care one way or the other about other teams. They just root for their team. And there's people who uh, will root for any Chicago team when the Chicago team gets there. And then there's the Sox fans who are haters. Um, And watching those people squirm is quite enjoyable.
1: (laughs) This year, the Cubs not only ended a 108-year drought, they also broke the curse the Billy Goat. But Professor Savage says he doesn't put much stock in curse stories.
0: Okay, the reason I don't like curses is, or curse narratives about the Cubs because it is evidence of human stupidity, period. I mean, human beings, we want stories with heroes and a clear beginning and a clear end instead of complicated, messy, multiple stories. The best essay about this is by Stephen Jay Gould, the great paleontologist and essayist who also was a big baseball fan. And he talks about how people like uh, the the Cardiff Giant hoax took place very near Cooperstown, New York, where the Hall of Fame is. And so the myth that Abner Doubleday invented baseball one day in 1839 which was promulgated by Albert Spalding and a bunch of other sporting goods and, and baseball magnates who had this American exceptionalism idea. Like, baseball had to be a unique game invented in America. It could not have evolved from cricket and rounders and stool and, a, and several other bat and ball games that we have evidence of going back to the middle freaking ages. In Jane Austen, in one of her novels, I forget which one, there's a scene where the, the, they play baseball, right? So, for the love of God, it, it is a game that evolved. But we don't like the story of evolution. We want creation. We want poof. It, it just happened. So curse narratives are a way of avoiding thinking about complicated, big-picture, long-term structures like bad ownership. And so I, I, I just find that they enrage me is what it comes down to. You don't need a billy goat. You don't need a black cat. You don't need and that poor guy. I'm not even going to name him because he did nothing wrong. Like all of that curse stuff, it's, it's, it's lazy media. I need 800 words by my deadline. I'll write about the billy goat curse, right? But it's, it's just, it just makes me crazy because it, it's, it's lazy, sloppy thinking. And whatever else I do, thinking is what I do for a living.
1: As an English professor, Savage values stories and narratives. So to him, baseball is a natural fit.
0: Every day you have something new to talk about. There's a line score, a box score, game stories, highlight reels. It's this kind of text generator, which is what I talk about in my baseball and American Narratives class every other summer. You know, baseball is a, narr- a, a machine that makes stories, essentially. Um, and when you, when you buy into one of those narratives, you, you sort of put a part of yourself emotionally into the story, right? People say, we won the World Series. And I will say, do you get a paycheck from the Chicago Cubs? If you aren't, then you did not win the World Series. Your team won the World Series, but we don't think that way. We sort of blend through. So that's where you get some of the knucklehead stuff where people over-identify and, you know, hate other teams rather than just liking their own team. But it all depends on, like, the vagaries of youth. My mom was a Dodger fan because her father bought the first TV in the 6400 block of Glenwood Avenue in 1947 to watch Jackie Robinson in the World Series. And so my mom, as a 7-year-old, Fell in love with the Dodgers because they broke the color barrier and you know had a Jackie Robinson rookie card and you know later in my life I'd say to her why didn't you make me a Dodger fan I could have been happy once in a while and she said I tried but you listen to your father so you know my dad and my uncles made me into a Cubs fan and that once it becomes that part of your identity it's it's hard to give up I mean you can drift away I mean when I was in college I didn't follow the Cubs all that closely I was too busy being a pretentious English major but then you know you get back to it and again it's just got this endless supply of stuff to think about uh, which makes it interesting For like non sports fans what I tell them is. Why do you like opera, right? Opera is something people do, and some people are really good at it. And we pay a lot of money to watch those people do opera or ballet or theater. And sports is something people do, and some people are really good at it. And so we pay to watch those people do that. It's part of, like, the whole range of human activity. But I just, you know, I'm there for the sunshine and the fresh air and a couple beers, too. I mean, it's, it's, it's entertainment. It's not church, right? You're not, it's not high tea with the, the Queen of England. It's, uh, it's supposed to be fun. So I, I've never had a bad day to all.
1: I'm Maddie Fox. My producer is humbled Cleveland baseball fan, Isabel Robertson. The audio editor of the Daily Northwestern is the equally humbled Indians fan, Corey Mueller. And our editor-in-chief is vindicated Cubs fan, Julia Jacobs. Thanks for listening to Office Hours, and we'll see you in two weeks.